I wear a mask not because I'm afraid of catching coronavirus myself, but because I'm trying to protect you. It's out of respect for your concerns, whatever worries you. And you know, that's not none of my business. Maybe you have fear. Maybe you have irrational fear. Maybe you have totally reasonably based fear. Doesn't really matter. I respect you. I'll keep my mask on for you. Welcome to the Maximize Your Medicare Podcast. My name is J.O. I'm your host. I'm also the author of the book, Maximize Your Medicare, Qualify for Benefits, Protect Your Health, and Minimize Your Cost. It's been published by Allworth Press this year. Thank you so much to the multiple hundreds of libraries who have included in their collection. Hopefully, the libraries will be open at some point so you can actually borrow it. You can actually get it on ebook form as well, Amazon.com. Wherever else you can find books, you'll be able to find Maximize Your Medicare. I always forget to do this. You know, you, the fact of the matter is that the news cycle changes. And as a result, Medicare has changed. New developments, new clarifications, my perspective on things can change over time. This is entirely possible. It has done so. The reality is, is that the book in 2013 is not the same book as it is today. The conclusions are actually fundamentally different. And the simple reason for that is that, number one, people have continued to work beyond 65. Number two, the plans, the offerings, the options, the types of options have now notably changed because it's not only that Medicare changes, but it's also the seller's of plans, Medigap, Medicare Advantage, have also adjusted. You know, the challenging thing about producing this podcast, creating this podcast, is the fact that I'm aware that the, that the listening audience can have a lot of different perspectives, backgrounds. Maybe you're new to Medicare. Maybe, you know, you've been on Medicare for a long period of time, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe you think that all I talk about is Medicare. Not true. Anyway, the fact of the matter is, so I'm going to be jumping around, and that's why we get these jumping around, but please try to scroll through the histories and find topics that may be important to you and get the most up-to-date version. Hey, and also don't forget the YouTube channel. A large number of YouTube uh, videos are up there. I'm awful at video, by the way, so the production stinks, but the uh, content, very, very important. And what I'm trying to do there is slightly different, which is that, you know, you're here uh, and you've actually searched somehow to find me, find Medicare as your topic, if you will, a keyword. But it's just, Medicare is just a small sliver. It's an example. The reality is it's, it's an example of larger misconceptions that people have about all financial products, all of them. And so they have a diff the wrong perspective. The starting point is a little, you know, not exactly right. So as a result, what ends up happening is people build on a faulty base. It's hard to come up with a conclusion when you have the wrong fundamentals, right? So that's basically what I'm trying to do on the YouTube channel. Please check it out. Maximize your Medicare. And I use the hashtag much more than Medicare. 
Today, two segments. Uh, first, you know, we're going to have a brief update on some, you know, things that I've seen that have come across my desk in the last couple of days and some observations along with it. And then second, we're going to actually switch here to annuities, which is, you know, something that falls under my purview as certified financial planner. I'm going to give you the top down. Uh, you know, you, there's lots of different information and there are lots of different advertisements, etc., about annuities, pros and cons. And what ends up happening is you see one side of the coin without the other. I'm going to try to approach it as a normally, which is in an even-handed way. I don't see people as all evil or all, you know, perfect. In much the same way, financial contracts have pros and cons. And I'd rather tell you pros and cons in equal measure so that you can decide for yourself. And from there, okay, if that's a pass, if that's a possibility for you and you need guidance on how to get through and choose, well, you know, I have a professional practice. And I'm happy to do that for our clients. You know, I've done so whether or not you're in, you know, California or in Florida. Not going to be a problem. The basics of how to understand financial contracts, of which annuities is one, are important. In the news, you know, I saw a couple of things as a result of the pandemic and coronavirus, obviously. And the main point I'm going to talk about here for, you know, what's new is we're going to have to start giving some very serious thought. It's coming close to the period where your people are going to be enrolling in health insurance. When you combine the Affordable Care Act and the fact that it has no pre-existing conditions, that's going to be a very important aspect because, you know, a lot of healthy people, people who have not had a incurable disease, not been diabetic type one, for example, they don't know, you don't know the fact that, you know, these kind of medical situations could have, it could have prevented you from purchasing health insurance on an exchange or any other from um, you know, a health insurance company, if you had one of these situations. Reality is, is that in theory, if you did not have the protection of the pre-existing conditions clause, which means that even if you have cancer, for example, you could get Affordable Care Act insurance beginning on January 1st. That is entirely possible. Well, the fact of the matter is, is the, you know, existing administration has, you know, launched a lawsuit, which is to try to, you know, strike down the entirety of the ACA. Doing so would remove the pre-existing conditions clause. When you couple that with the fact that a number of people are now going to be considered higher risk or going to be you know, afflicted with coronavirus, you know, they, they display the antigen, antibody, whatever it's called. You know, I'm not, a, I'm not a medical doctor, but, you know, if you've had symptoms, et cetera, et cetera, or evidence, if there's evidence that you've had coronavirus and you had no pre-existing condition protections, you know, I could find a way to understand why an insurance company at that point might reject you. The other thing is that, you know, I don't think, and part of this, the other thing is that 
there have been some ramifications for other financial contracts that require underwriting. Meaning that just like health insurance, that you know, if you didn't have the pre-existing clause, existing conditions clause, then the health insurance companies would have the right to, you know, grant you insurance based on your medical situation. That's always been true for life insurance, long-term care insurance. And what we've seen is a couple of things. Is it's going to be very interesting to see, and I would expect that to be happening now. I mean, I've already seen you know small amounts of evidence. And going forward, which is that if you have had coronavirus and you have to state this, which you will, and there are going to be medical records, I can't imagine that applying for health insurance is going to be easier. It can only be harder. In addition to that, just as an aside, you know, I got an email the other day, which is that one of the companies, one of the dominant companies in the United States that runs the paramedical exam tests. EMSI has decided to close as a result of coronavirus. So now the acceptance process into these types of insurance policies has just gotten notably harder, notably harder. Bottom line here, just on like in in any financial contract, and I encounter this in every walk of life, no, no matter what your age division is. You know, people decide in their mind, okay, I'm going to choose this course of action, and then they don't act. So let's just say you've decided that this is a good idea for you. Time is not an option in your favor from that point. You can take lots of time in trying to decide whether or not something's appropriate. My professional advice is that if that, if you've crossed that barrier, Right. If you have gone over that hurdle to decide yes or no, and you have decided yes, then from that point, seize control for yourself because the moving parts probably not going to be for you. Rather than focusing on, you know, the existing state of financial markets and whether or not the Federal Reserve has helped or you know, whether or not they've actually helped everyday people. What I thought I would talk about today is annuities. And annuities have both very good and very bad press. And, you know, it's my observation that as in most things, whenever you see the press or and articles as well as, you know, information articles or advertisements, you don't really kind of get a very good overview and a very good spotlight on the things, the correct things to focus on. So we're going to start there and I'm going to go quickly. You know, this is not going to be by any means, you know, the end all, but we'll try to get on it and get to the highlights, you know, from my perspective. And you'll see YouTube video over the next couple of weeks on it as well. So anyway, let's go to the definition. Uh, what's an annuity? An annuity is basically a financial contract, and the financial contract works in the in the following, which is that you deposit money on day one. Now you can choose there are a number of different annuity types of annuities. We're gonna I'm gonna talk about the first type, which is SPIA, single premium immediate annuity. What this does, it just turns your pot, let's just call it a hundred. You deposit a hundred on day one. It, a single premium index, um, immediate annuity, SPIA, SPIA, 
turns it into lifetime income, period. That's it. In other words, you receive X dollars out of the hundred forever. So you can understand its obvious reason, which is the traditional pension, the one that your grandparents may have had, that is now gone. Basically gone. The number of them, that is now gone the way of the Brontosaurus. Instead, 401k, IRA, you know, you have a balance that goes up and down. There can be matching by your employers, for example, in the 401k, 403b. But that doesn't mean that they're turning it into a lifetime income stream. You're left to manage it. Well, a SPIA does this for you. There are a number of different payout options, and we're not going to get into it right now. And the, and the reason is, is because this is not really that central to the understanding. The, the general principle is that the function of the SPIA is to create a lifetime income flow. The second type, type is going to be called variable annuity. So what it happened, and variable annuity and deferred indexed annuities we're going to call them the same for today. And I know that's going to be, um, you know, a shortcut because we could have separate podcasts for variable annuity. But really what I'm talking about is what makes annuities work as a whole. Annuities work as a whole because of the tax deferral element, right? Which means that you deposit a hundred, this pot, and from then the crediting the ups and downs of the mark-to-market or the valuation of your annuity contract is not subject to tax. Now, this also implies the following, which is that in generally speaking, generally speaking, it is not a great idea to put monies from pre-tax money into annuities. And there's your reason, right? Which is that since the money is being accumulated inside the vehicle itself on a tax-free basis, that means why would you also take your money, which is pre-tax to begin with, into that type of vehicle, since it can grow outside that vehicle in a pre-tax fashion? Well, there are limitations that, you know, and you can find you can find advice or you could find videos that say don't ever put your deferred or your 401k money into an annuity. That's also not the case, right? Because that the practical reality, and this is very, very important, right? The practical reality is that if a huge amount or a large portion of your money sits in deferred accounts, if they sit in your 401k, your IRA, and that's the bulk of your lifetime savings, then you would have to, right? So this is what I don't like about kind of, you know, these extreme statements that get me made, you know, in order to get clicks, which is that, you know, never ever this or never ever that. <laughs> you just can't say never ever. And there's your example, because a lot of people are faced this situation where the deferred account is much bigger than the after, than the already you know non-qualified funds you know post tax money in which case putting you know the 
the good stuff about annuity, the fact that you might want to have to create a lifetime income stream, et cetera, et cetera, or may want to have other features that we're going to talk about later in this podcast, you know, it may not be doable with your post-tax money in your non-qualified account and non-qualified meaning post-tax. It just doesn't work. So as a result, you may have no choice but to, and by no choice, this is not a negative. What I'm saying is it may be the most practical to use your qualified funds, an example being your IRA, your 401k. So again, it's just another example of never say never. On we go. So now let's just talk about how annuities work once you once you've deposited the money in, okay? What actually goes on in there? And now we'll go to deferred indexed annuities. So you put a hundred dollars in or a hundred units in, whatever the amount. What goes on? Well, inside one very positive feature is the balance is protected from downside. Now it's protected from downside. And that the reason is that once you allocate monies, then, you know, and let's just, rather than getting into what the different, you know, indexes or whatever the markets are, et cetera, et cetera, or your allocations are, let's just call it A, B, and C. So the point is, is that your total balance can be protected from downside. Now, is that always the case? The answer to that is not strictly. There can be adjustments. What are those adjustments? Let's just say you allocated 30 into selection B. Well, selection B could have something called market value adjustment, which does change with interest rates. Okay. And that each of them, there's a fee. There's a fee for putting the money into the annuity. Right. So right away, your a hundred doesn't be, is doesn't get a hundred. Now it's counterbalanced by your returns of A, B, and C. But it's also wrong to say, well, your a hundred never declines. There's no never here. You would have to go to contract by contract. That said, there is substantial protection. For example, if selection A is equities, stocks, then what you can see is that, you know, depending on the selection you choose, it can be protected from the downside. And I'll swerve here just quickly. How do they do this? Well, they do this because inside of selection A, they have bought in, you know, portfolio insurance, which is, and for, you know, derivative traders, this is, you know, something called a put option on that portfolio so that your value in selection A does not decline. Now, can you do this at home? Yeah, I mean, it's in theory, it's possible. You can do it. You can buy, actually, this portfolio protection from a broker. Can you actually practically manage it? Mm, I doubt it, meaning that you know the number of people out there that can actually have the information, technology, keep up to date, understand the how put put option works, and then actually manage it, very very unlikely. So on we go, um, because there are certain things that annuities do not do. So now let's just go back to the 100 and it's been allocated to A, B, and C. The fact is 
that it is very, very unlikely that your 100 will outperform your buddy across the street who's all in on stock market over time, right? In other words, what I'm saying is, remember I told you just a few moments ago that there are certain elements that have protected B from the downside. The thing you're giving away is you're also giving away the upside. That's the counterbalance here, right? I mean, this protection that I talked about, that's not costless, right? There's a cost to it. There, there's a market for it in the real world. So the fact of the matter is, is that your upside will be limited. And there is a bunch of language that explains what those limitations will be. The kicker here on what annuities don't do is that, you know, I've just said that the upside is limited. It's limited based on the language, the language in each annuity contract. Each annuity contract has its own special, non-standardized language. That means that if you bought an annuity from company number one and it, it has a selection list, A, B, C, well, company number two will have its own selection list, which is letters K, L, M, and N. And even if A, B, and C look like K, L, M, and N, that does not mean they are exactly the same. And here is the challenge, one of many challenges that annuity, that people who are interested in annuities have to deal with. Candid reality. Do I think you can handle this by yourself? No. No. Because the differences in this fact that A, B, and C are not the same as K, L, M, and N, those differences are big. Let's talk about some of those limitations. And I'm not going to say A, B, or C, or I'm not going to say K, L, M, and N, but what types of restrictions are there? Number one, there can be something called participation rate, meaning if the stock market goes up by 10%, you go up by 4%, something like that. That's called participation rate. There can be absolute caps. And by caps, what I mean is any part of these selections, A, B, C, K, L, M, and N, that in any period that your amount that you can make or that you'll be credited with can be limited by a certain number, which will be in writing, by the way. This is not hocus pocus. They're not going to make it up after the fact. It has to be in writing. There are resets. And by resets, what here, what I mean is timing. So what happens is you deposit a hundred on day one, and then you're going to have selection C, let's just say. And let's just say you can choose to, to elect 50% of a hundred. So 50 into selection C. Well, C will have a reference number. So let's just call it 305. And that's where some the stock market index, according to its definition, is. And then it goes up to 310. Well, you're going to take certain snapshots in time. And that is the reset. 
So some some companies, this is you know annually, quarterly, semi-annually. Again, the companies get to make up, they get to tell you what their definition is. Importantly here, inside of A, B, C, K, L, M, and N, is that it looks like you're investing in equity markets or stock markets to some degree. There's a very, very important distinction here, which is that under most, in fact, I have never seen a stock related index, right? So A, B, C, K, L, M, and N, it may say, you know, that you get to mimic the S&P 500. You don't get the dividends, which also means you don't get the compounding effect of the fact that the dividends. This is an important thing. All you get is the price difference of the S&P 500 or the Dow Jones. Now, this is not trivial, right? Which is that 2%, let's just call that the yield or that's your dividend rate on the S&P 500. Well, 2% may not seem like much in a year, but if you leave it in there for 10 years and then compound it, now you're talking about 20% plus the effect of compounding. So it can be a big number. So you need to be careful. And, and this is part of the reason that we go back to this section, which is that the idea that no matter what your allocation, A, B, C, K, L, M, and N, it doesn't even matter what your percentages are there. It is going to be very difficult to outperform equity markets in up markets. So your friend across the street tells you my 100 turned into 150 over 10 years. You're not likely to be anywhere close to 150 after that same time period. Let's get to the positive and negatives. I'll start with the positives. So I've already mentioned the first couple, one which is the tax deferral ben you know, benefit of this, meaning that the gains and losses can are protected from income tax while inside the annuity. That's clear. The second one is that the in the single premium indexed in, um, immediate annuity, SPIA, you can get a lifetime income that never expires. Now, this is very important because, and this is what brokers, stock brokers, don't really talk tell you about. And this is why they try to spin it negative. It's actually a positive for annuities, which is that your broker and you are unlikely to be able to, no, not unlikely. They can't guarantee this. They just cannot. We can say that, oh, well, in the long run, that stocks are higher and so your balance will be higher, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Okay. 2020 is proving to you that it's not a guarantee. And the fact is, is that an annuity by creating an income stream is a cash flow that can't be replicated by your broker advisor. And if they're explicitly guaranteeing it to you, you should squint pretty hard because that's a promise that shouldn't be made. And no matter what, 
this is the source of problems here, right? Because the broker is motivated. In addition to that, you can't tell as a consumer, right? Because the person is getting fees as a result. He's motivated by, you know, money management fees, for example, to tell you that annuities are bad. But the reality is as a consumer, I always tell financial planning clients, always, I said, look, you're trying to figure out what function the financial instruments are doing, are playing in your life, right? And the fact is the function of the annuity can be so great that you give up the fun and excitement of investing in stocks and, you know, opening up your brokerage account. And you can't get away from that. That what ends up happening is is the is that the negatives to annuities that you hear by brokers and they call it an annuicide, right? Well, yeah, it's annuicide because their fees have gone down and the money has walked out the door when you to put it into the deposit of an annuity. Yeah, but the reality is is that to the consumer, the consumer's priority may be that they need to have a higher layer of income, which they can't outlive, much like, in other words, to augment social security benefits, for example. And in addition to that, of course, you know, the one other thing that I, that would lead to the third big positive, which is in a married couple, you can make this as joint life, meaning second to die. What doesn't have that? Social security where you do not get two social security checks when the first spouse predeceases the second. So that's the wrap on the positives. Which And the takeaway here is don't get away from the objective of what the annuity is to do. Because the objections to it, which are going to be real, I'm going to point out the negatives. I've already mentioned some of the complications, right? One of those is, the negatives being is they're complicated. But that doesn't override the fact that the huge positive may be for you and your situation in order to create the stability which can be liquidated and which you can never outlive. That you need to determine how important that function is to you. Because if the function is super important, then I tell persons, okay, now we need to bite the bullet and now we need to go through the weeds and get through the negatives to find the best solution, right? Get the best solution so that we can focus back on what its actual function is. The issue is that people get distracted. People get distracted from the fundamental function of what the annuity is to do. And as a result, they get you know, distracted by the complicated, you know, descriptions I had for A, B, C, K, L, M, and N. And it's actually more complicated than that, not less complicated than I've described. None of that stuff matters if you absolutely positively need to have an extra higher layer of, of income. And that is more important in your personal priority list. <laughs> Sorry. And no matter what your broker tells you, this is a place that I tell consumers, look, you, this is a place you can put your foot down. That's your money. 
you and only you determine its importance and its function into your daily life or whatever your priority list would be. Candidly, from that point, only once that is established, then the pieces come into place. All right, so now let's talk about the negatives. And I did touch on it, right? And I spent a few, quite a few moments about it, right? Which is that you've now deposited 100 and now you're going to have to allocate into A, B, C or K, L, M, and N, okay? And I've told you that there are lots of different sellers. There are many different sellers, all with different letters, all with different letters. And those letters may look the same. They are not exactly the same. You're going to have to get through the idea that you need to look through the language. There's no shortcut to it. Should a private person do it without an expert opinion? My biased opinion, biased, right, is that the answer to that is no. You aren't trained. You aren't trained to see what the hooks are. You're not trained to see what the what the scenarios look like. Unfortunately, I have to share with you that insurance agent number 75 in Timbuktu may also not. The reason for my extreme bias here is because I've been part of the contract writing process. So I know that A, B, and C are very subtly different from K, L, M, and N. So that's the first one. The second one is that, again, that the returns inside as a result of these nuances, as a result of the fact that they're protecting you from the downside, is that annuities are very unlikely to beat financial markets over the long run. And again, this has to go back to what's its function. If you're fixated on the function of the money to just to grow because you need to have a hundred turn into 200 in 10 years, annuities aren't going to do it, period. They're not. You're not going to be able to call me up after 10 years and say, okay, I want my 100 and my buddy turned 100 into 200. Can I have my 200? The answer is going to be no. The answer is going to be no. And there's your issue, right? So again, if you focus on the function and if that function is that you wanted the growth at without the risk, that trade-off doesn't exist in financial markets. So as a result, certainly not an annuity where A, B, C, K, L, M, and N are protecting you from downside. Let's talk about mistakes. So as you can hear, you know, I've been talking for 25 minutes at breakneck pace. And don't get me wrong, I've glossed over tons of stuff here. And I've glossed over the nitty gritty because I want people to get the message about what they're actually doing and and also not get distracted. This is also critical. You could hear me say that, you know, earlier. Mistake number one is to presume they're all the same. Okay, so you just, there are tons of sellers of annuities. Single premium median annuity. There are 40 sellers, easy, easily 40 sellers. The payouts are not all the same. 
They're not. So depending on what your pattern of payout is, what ends up happening is somebody says, Jay, I want a, I want a SPIA. I'm this age. I'm a female. And how much, what is my stream? What's my X dollars that I'm going to get every year for forever? That X is going to change from company to company. And it's not really going to be small. You need to be careful and shop. The idea that you would just go to a single seller and only look at that seller's options doesn't make sense. The number two mistake, and actually the much bigger picture here, is that people don't liquidate. And what this means is the following, is that if you followed up to now, what you've heard is that annuities create have a very valuable function to some people. And that function is to create lifetime income that can never be interrupted, right? Maybe you have bad spending habits. Some people want to have the extra layer of discipline. So they know that they want to put this $100 into a coffee can and just create lifetime income. Now, under deferred under deferred indexed annuities or variable annuities, what ends up happening is you put money into the pot for some period. And then inside these contracts, you have something called a guaranteed income base. I'm going to tell you a couple of things. Number one is that guaranteed income base is very likely to be better than your allocations of into A, B, and C. Right, The company has said, look, I'm going to guarantee you an income base. Let's call that a reference number. That reference number at any point in time is going to be higher than A, B, C, K, L, M, or N. No, almost no matter what. That That's just a fact because of the way that the A, B, and C, K, L, M, and N, the language is constructed. So now you're on some guaranteed income base. The second problem here is people don't turn that into money. The way to turn that into money is to liquidate. In other words, annuitize is what they would say. In other words, turn it into the stream. Because that's an amount of money that you would not be able to access by just selling your annuity or turn or redeeming your annuity. You will get the value as determined by A, B, and C. You will not get the guaranteed income base reference number. It's complicated here. But if you follow to now, you have two different numbers. You've got a reference number, which cannot be liquidated, which means you can't just redeem your annuity at that number. You cannot. You've got A, B, and C. That you can turn into cash as one redemption number. The only way to get the value from the guaranteed income base is to annuitize. This effectively turns it, converts that bigger number into a SPIA. In other words, a single premium index. I'll stop that mistake at some point. Single premium immediate annuity. So it takes the higher number, which you could not otherwise monetize into cash, and turns it into lifetime income. Not doing this, that's the mistake. The reason this is a mistake 
is because if the objective was to create the lifetime income anyway, then you should actually do it. So what happens is someone puts the 100 on day one, they don't liquidate after seven years, 10 years, five years. They don't use this higher income base, the reference number, which is much higher than A, B, and C. Because the reality is because of the negative to annuities, which means you can't beat financial markets, right? If that, then you've made the mistake on day one, which is you didn't define what that money was, the role of that deposit was. I give this at every conference, at every seminar, when I talk about an individual situation, individual type of you know product, long-term care, life insurance, annuity here. You need to define what you are doing with this 100. You need to define it. And then the punchline here is you need to decide, okay, this is a hundred out of X hundred. Maybe it's a hundred out of 900. Maybe it's a hundred out of 800, depending on household to household. When you don't annuitize, when you don't liquidate the guaranteed income base, you're not getting the upside of financial markets or the risk up and down of financial markets. So what ends up happening ultimately is that people end up being unhappy with something and looking backwards and saying, well, this didn't do this or this didn't do that. Usually that is the result of the fact that people didn't define two things. Number one, they didn't define exactly what that objective was. And then number two, they didn't allocate or think through how much they were going to allocate out of their total household, you know, resources. When you don't do the, that stuff first, if you don't do the, that work in front, then you're going to be disappointed or you can be disappointed later. You know, the problem is, of course, you tell, talk to your buddy and they tell you that this, that, or the other, and it didn't do this or it didn't do that. And then I had this negative or that negative, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, but you need to understand it. And hopefully you've gotten that from this podcast, right? Which is that that is a, those are distractions. Those may be distractions. Number one, it doesn't take away from the fact that there are valuable functions for some. Number two is that you need to look through the nitty gritty, the limitations, so that you can decide whether or not it's actually appropriate for you. Number three is that once you are entered into it, can you get out? The answer is yes. Are there, you know, excess withdrawal penalties? The answer is yes. That's actually going to be the subject of another, you know, podcast or video. But it not so big that it got away from the, that it detracted from the original objective that if the original objective was sound, and if it's intact, then it will do its job. At, the contracts will do as written. 
And number two is that to face to address the second point is that some people may say, well, you know, it took away from this, that, or the other. Well, that is a difference of the fact that somebody didn't allocate the appropriate amount of their household resources into products, whatever that strategy is. It's not because of, oh, the, you know, annuity, annuity contract didn't do as it stated, or, you know, the losses were, the losses were zero, but then the upside was not very much. The way to adjust that is by adjusting the allocation into other avenues, like over to your stockbroker. You never heard anything on this podcast saying, take all of your savings and roll it into annuities. You'll, You'll never hear me say that. You won't hear me say that about any financial product, right? But the important stuff is those decisions are yours and you can be subject to crossfire which distracts you away from those. That's kind of my point. You can hear that similar theme across all of my podcasts, to be candid with you, videos, newsletter. It's not diversity for diversity's sake. That is not, it is not as simple as don't put all of your eggs in one basket. What it is, is you've got a lot of number of objectives. Every person does. They want to fulfill five different objectives with, you know, the next 10 years, 20 years, 40 years. It doesn't matter what your age division is. The issue is that your allocations into these types of different avenues has to match that narrative. That's all I've got today. Switched course here into financial products because the reality is, is Medicare is the thinnest layer. In other words, I could have changed the terminology here today and written on each one of the segments. I could have shown you the exact same challenges and same types of problems that people face and the same types of mistake that people make under Medicare, life insurance, long-term care insurance. Doesn't matter what the financial topic is, the pattern, the types of problems that people encounter and the types of mistakes that people make are the same. I'm trying to address that with you so that you can understand the challenges, the fact that this is not about politics. It's not about your, like I said, your buddy and the war story at, you know, at happy hour. It has to do with your understanding. It has to do with just clear decision-making and getting away from the distortion so that you can make the best decision for your priorities, which may be different from your friends. It could be different from your twin brothers. Be sure to subscribe to the the podcast. Give it a five-star rating on iTunes. It's not called iTunes anymore. Is it Apple, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher? It's everywhere. I'm Jay, author of Maximize Your Medicare. Please check out the site, MaximizeYourMedicare.com. Send me your questions. There's a button there that says Ask Jay. Talk with you next time.